0: Morning everyone. Just before we uh, jump into the word this morning, I'm excited as we're going through the story and we're chronologically going through the Bible. And I'm I'm hoping that uh, you're reading along and that you're reading through the book, the story, and it's helping you uh, to better understand the Bible and, and God's plan for man and the uh, redemptive qualities that God gives to every single person who comes to Christ Jesus and the transformation that happens. And we're kind of plugging all the the pieces of the stories of the Bible to the overarching story of God's redemption for man. And so we're, we're going to start kind of a a new phase of, of entering into, uh, the part of Israel's history. That's very interesting to me. And this is the Kings where God raised up Kings to, uh, to lead Israel. We know that one of the greatest Kings to lead Israel was King David. We're going to talk about that, uh, next week, but before we jump into the word, I want to, I want to pray this morning and I want to pray for our country this morning, specifically for our veterans. And those that are serving, we know that Veterans Day is on Tuesday. So would you stand with me and let's just pray for our country and pray for our veterans and those that are are serving. We we live in a great country, don't we? That that, that we're free uh, to worship God this morning. And and that I'm very grateful for, that we can sit underneath the Word without that, that persecution. So we want to pray for um, our leadership. We just had a huge election last week, and we need to pray for our country and for our leaders. And specifically, I want to pray for our veterans and for those that are serving, men and women that are serving in our armed forces. So, Lord, we come before you this morning. And, God, we stand before you uh, in support of our country. We stand here this morning praying for our leaders, that you would give them wisdom, that you would turn the hearts of man back to you. Lord, we intercede for our country. And specifically, Lord, we pray for our veterans. We thank you for those that have served our country diligently, Lord, that have laid their lives down for our country, those men and women. Lord, we pray for those that are serving right now in our military, God. We pray uh, protection over them. And Lord, we just pray your blessings upon them, now. And so, Lord, we give you our country. Lord, we ultimately know that, that you're leading us, that you're sovereign. But Lord, we, we need to turn our hearts back to you. Lord, we need to bow our hearts to you. We need your wisdom and your leading and your guiding of our country, that our country would come to know who Jesus truly is. I pray that the church of Jesus Christ would raise up during this time and would we'll proclaim that wonderful gospel message of truth. That, Lord, we know the only fix for our country is not better education or more government. It's the hearts of men that need to change. And so, Lord, that's what we pray, because you grab the heart of man, and from that comes the transformation of man himself. So, Lord, we give our country to you. We thank you for our veterans. We thank you for those that are serving, Lord, and we pray your protection over them now. And we just ask these things in no other name, but in the name of Of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and King and all God's people said now right before you're seated if if I just want to recognize our veterans if um if I'm gonna have everybody everybody be seated except for those that have served our country or maybe you have a son or a daughter that's serving in the country I want you to remain standing and let's just give them just a round of applause and thank them for serving our country amen thank you thank you Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. All right. We are, in a, we are kind of just meandering our way through the Old Testament right now. And uh, where we are today is we are entering into just a new season of Israel's history where God will raise up kings to lead Israel. And, and what we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is that there was no real ruler in Israel. After the leadership of Moses and Joshua, Israel kind of fell into a spiritual apathy. Um, And what we discovered last week is through the book of Judges, what God would do is he would raise up a a judge or a deliverer to rescue Israel for a time being from their enemies. And it was very reciprocal. It was a revolving door. What would happen is um, an enemy would come, they would subdue Israel, Israel and harass them and then the people of God would cry out to God and then God would have sympathy upon them and he would raise up a leader to deliver them for, for just a time and once that deliverer would stop or, or he would die then Israel would go right back to their same ways and it was just kind of this pattern of apathy no one was really making a, a stand for God and what's interesting what we're going to see in the story today is that God raises up a prophet to speak to Israel, to speak to their apathy, to try to turn their hearts um, back to God and begins to speak the word of God. And his, his mother dedicated him to the Lord that God would use him mightily. And that's exactly what the Lord did. And so that, that's, the, the, that's where we are in the story. And so what we're gonna do is we are, uh, um, we're gonna jump into the part of Israel's history where God begins to raise up these kings to lead Israel, but it starts with the prophet Samuel. But what's interesting is if you read the very last verse of the book of Judges, before we jump into 1 Samuel, it says this in Judges 21, 25. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How many know that spells, that's a recipe recipe for disaster. Uh, and, and it says they did everything that was right, which they thought was right in their own eyes. And that was the mess that they were in because they weren't listening to the Lord. How many of you uh, that, that have kids, especially those of you with young kids, what if you said to your kids, okay, kids, um, do whatever you think is right in your own eyes? How many know that's not going to turn out well? How many of you, you had these moments with your children where you said to them, what were you thinking? How many, we've said that about a million times to our kids, what were you thinking? Like the time they jumped up on the roof with the bed sheet, thinking that it was going to be a parachute for them, right? What were you thinking? Or when I was a kid, we did not have bike helmets. I know that explains a lot in my life right now, okay, you realize that we didn't have bike helmets, and and we would make these jumps in in the street with our with our Schwinn bicycles. All right, these weren't mountain bikes; these weren't meant to go over. You hit that. There's no shocks on it. When you went off that jump and you hit the pavement, you felt every bit of the pavement as you wiped out and almost. Killed yourself in the 18 concussions I had as a kid, not wearing a bike helmet. Um, These were things that we thought were right. Like as a a child, I thought it was a good idea with my friend. We're walking home and he had his bike and he says, Hey, Barton, jump on the front of the handlebars and I will take you home. That's a good idea, (laughs) right? With no bike helmet. So I did, and sure enough, we hit a curb, and I went flying for and it. And it was it was the only cool thing about that, when we hit the curb, and I went flying, and I wiped out. Like, the prettiest girl in school was walking there, too, and she stopped, and she took care of us. So I really milked it. Oh, man, I think I broke my leg. I think I need help getting home. Could you help? get home? Um, So, you know, as kids or even as adults, sometimes when we do things that are right in our own eyes, many times it ends up. As a train wreck. So between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel, which we'll jump into, not much has changed. The nation at this time is a far cry from which it was when it was under the leadership of Moses and Joshua. So Israel is now under the thumb of nations around them, and they're looking for the answer. And they thought the answer was let's be like the countries around us, for they have a king. The king helps deliver them. The, The king leads them into battle. So if we could just have a king, this will fix everything. The problem wasn't that they needed a king. The problem was they needed to come back to God. And we all make the same mistakes. We try to fix our spiritual problems with worldly solutions. It's no different from the world we live in today and many times in our own personal lives. Uh, there's a spiritual issue in our lives and we don't turn to God, we don't turn to prayer, we don't ask him for his wisdom and we look for worldly solutions that just puts a temporary patch on a problem that only God can solve. And there was a woman, her name was Hannah and she appears in uh, Samuel chapter one and she's married to Alcana and she was barren. She couldn't have children and she, she prayed to the Lord and she asked the Lord, listen, if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to to you I will bring him to the Lord's uh, tabernacle I will I will dedicate him to to you and I will let you use him for your service and the Lord remembered her and 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 thus from that she gave birth to a boy a baby and she named him Samuel and as soon as he was weaned she brought him to the house of the Lord and she gave him to the priest Eli who raised him as a servant of God and God called samuel and samuel answered the call of god to be a prophet of god to be his his mouthpiece to be his voice in in israel and to speak what god wanted him to speak to the people of israel and as samuel got older he wanted to have his sons lead israel but they did not walk With the Lord. So, what happened in this part of Israel's history is that the elders of Israel got together and they told Samuel, Listen, give us a king like all the other nations. And as Samuel speaks to them with wisdom, he says, I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into here. Do you really know what the consequences are if you have a king? That would lead you. And Samuel knew that this would not be a good thing. So I want to read for you this discussion that they had, and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I want to read for you what happened here. And here, Israel, they're pleading for, for God to give them a king. And listen to what it says. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So we prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they've rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. So what's at the crux of of Israel's issue? It's a spiritual issue. They're looking to the world. They were looking to the, the neighboring countries and nations around them to say, hey, they have kings and they seem pretty successful. So why don't we have a king? And so what? What, what God says to Samuel, they're not rejecting you and your sound wisdom. And they're rejecting me as their king. And it says, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly that and let them know what the king who will rule over them will claim as his rights. So God says, okay, I'm going to give in to their uh, desires to have a king, but I want you to warn them. This is what's going to happen if you have a king that leads you. So God told Samuel to warn the people of what will happen if a king rules over you. Now, now this this is what you want, and this is what you're going to get. And the problem with Israel is they never counted the cost of what would happen if they allowed a king to rule them. You see, everything always seems greener on the other side, on the other side of the fence until you have to mow it, right? Everything always seems greener. And for Israel, they thought, well, this is going to be better for us. This is going to be green, greener pastures for us. So Samuel warned them and told them, this is what a king is going to do for you, right? He, he just the, the scriptures tell us plainly what's going to happen to them. And so he says to them, listen, He's going to take the best of your fields. He will take your sons to war. He will take your money. He will put you to work for him. And then you will cry out to the Lord, and he is not going to hear you. Do you still want a king? And what was their answer? Yeah, we still want one. And so here's all the negative things that are going to happen. And this is exactly what happened. You think this would deter their hearts, but it didn't. Why? Because their hearts were hardened. And sometimes God just gives people over to the desires of their hearts to see exactly what it gets them. How many of you got something that you wished for that you wished you never got it? Did that make any sense at all? Right? You prayed for something. How many of you are glad that God didn't answer some of your prayers? Right? We said this prayer and we're like, oh my goodness, I am so glad that that prayer was never answered. Right? And, and and God says, okay, I'm gonna give in to the desires of your heart, but you're gonna see what happens. And so Israel didn't see the big picture of what God was doing. He wanted to lead them and he wanted to take care of them, but they just wanted to be like everybody else around them. They wanted the quick fix. They wanted a military leader, one that would lead them into war and rescue them from the hands of their enemy. So God gave them what they wanted, but it would come with a price. How many know there's always a price tag? There's always the small print, like those commercials At the end, they go, (laughs) interest rate, 25%. How much is the interest rate? There's always that small print. There's always the thing you can't read unless you have a telescope to to zero in on your TV screen. There's always always that cost with it that, that comes with a choice that we make. And so with Israel, there's going to be a price to their choice to want a king. And so basically it's be careful what you wish for. Think about the consequences. That, that's, that's the one thing I think we could all really glean from in, in our wisdom from the Lord, that when we make a choice, that we think about that. What if, what if this place, what are the consequences? Or am I really listening to the Lord here? Am I really seeing this whole thing out? Or am I just wanting a quick fix? Am I just wanting something to, to temporarily satisfy me? where I'm not really understanding or listening to what the Lord really wants for my life. So be careful what you wish for. See, Israel looked around and they thought this was the best idea, not realizing that God worked through the meek and the humble. So what happened is Israel was not some huge military powerhouse. In fact, the opposite was true. God used them in spite of that. And because they had to rely on him, Uh, for God to help them to overcome the enemy. They had to rely on him for everything. So God wanted to remind Israel that he was glorious, that he would work through them in spite of all their weaknesses. So what happens is they they look for this uh, king that's going to rule over them. So the thing that they look for automatically, their first inkling was to look for the biggest, tallest, baddest dude in Israel. Israel. And so what happens is they're looking for one. And so Samuel looks around and um, they look at this man named Saul as the next leader. And the thing about Saul was this. He was tall. In fact, the Bible says he was like a head taller than everybody else. In Israel. So here you got this tall guy, he was handsome and he was a good military leader and, and they were victorious over their enemies with him. So they thought, okay, this must be the guy because he's good looking, he's, he's tall, he's a good military leader, he's a good fighter. This is the guy that we want to lead us. It, it's, it's, it's like when you were in junior high or in elementary school and uh, you got to pick sides for dodgeball. Right, I don't even think they played, do- I think they outlawed dodgeball in school today, which is really a shame, but um, you would pick size. So if you were the captain, the first person you're looking for is the tallest, the biggest kid, the most athletic kid, because you want that kid on your side because uh, you want to win the the dodgeball game. And so Saul was like the kid in gym class that everybody picked first. You know, when he was younger, they, yeah, we want Saul on our side. He's the tallest. He's the baddest. He's the best. We want Saul on our side. So basically, that's what Israel was looking for. They were just looking at the exterior. They were just looking at at the physical side of Saul. But what they missed was, was the heart of Saul. What was the heart of Saul? What was his integrity? Isn't that interesting? Even within our country and our past in our country, we would we 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 tend to overlook the integrity of the heart of a leader just as long as the economy is well and the country is being steered in the right direction isn't it interesting that we tend to overlook the heart of a person instead of it, 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 just just for the lack of just saying ah well as long as you know i don't care what they do in their private life that's what they do but as long as the as long as the economy is going well and blah, 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 and I've got a job. And I don't care how they're, they're, they lead their personal lives. Isn't that interesting how we overlook the heart and the integrity of a leader? Wouldn't you think that would be the first thing we would look at? That we would look at the integrity? How does he, how does he handle his personal life? How does she handle her personal life? How do they handle their family? How many know those are the things that make a great leader can i get an amen right and so we we tend to overlook those things because we just want things to be good in our lives and so what happened in israel they did the same thing they were just looking at the exterior they weren't looking at the heart of what saul was really like and who he was really like and so they thought well here's the guy and so so they anointed him as the next king of israel and he was a good military leader. He did a lot of great things. He, he had a lot of victories. And so now the, the people are starting to rally behind him. They're getting excite, excited. But what you saw in the video is that he didn't completely obey the Lord. They were winning these victories, but he wasn't doing all the things that God wanted him to do. He would basically do this. He would obey the Lord in the things that he thought he should obey the Lord in. And what happened with Saul is this. There was a crack in Saul's integrity. He was, yeah, he was handsome. He was a good military leader. But there was a crack in his integrity, which, 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 which was exposed in the way that he obeyed the Lord. And this would later come to haunt him as God would literally reject him. And, and, and as you will later see, God would, would, would stop looking at, at Saul and said, I'm going I'm to take my hands off you. I've rejected you. I'm taking my spirit off you. And then what God would do is he would look for a man that would chase after God's own heart. And so what happened was God then anoints David as the king of Israel while Saul was still leading. And if you read through the story and you read through the Bible, you see how Saul's heart turned very jealous towards David to the point where Saul pursued him and wanted him dead. What happened to Saul? Well, it goes all the way back to the very beginning when Saul's heart wasn't completely given to the Lord. There were cracks in his integrity. And I want to show you a passage of scripture here that you would think, well, you know, at least Saul was a good military leader and he was helping Israel get out of their uh, issues with uh, with their enemies around them. But the problem with Saul is that he didn't obey the Lord and all the things that God commanded him to do. God wanted a leader that would listen to him ultimately. Now, we would think... Pastor, what's the big deal on small things? Is, does that, do those things really matter? Well, we understand that it's the small things that eventually leads to our downfall. So in 1 Samuel 15, I want to read to you what happened to King Saul and how he turned away from the Lord and how his heart became hardened towards the Lord. And it says this, it says, the word of the Lord came to who? To Samuel. And, and it says, I regret that I've made Uh, Saul king And, and what what God is saying here he's saying my heart is grieving over his actions my heart grieves that he's not obeying me and he says because he's turned away from me and not carried out my instructions and Samuel was very angry and he cried out to the Lord all night well this is the one you want me to do this and and so he's frustrated and then if you drop down to verse 17 it says Samuel says this and listen to what he says To the heart of of Saul, he says, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you not pounce on the plunder and do why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord? God, God said to him, listen, I don't want you to keep any of the plunder. I, I want you to destroy everything, including the king. But what Saul did was he didn't do that. He kept some of the plunder for himself. He kept some of the cattle for himself, and he didn't kill the king. And listen to what it says in verse 20. He says, but I did obey the Lord. He's making excuses. He says, I went on the mission that the Lord assigned me to. He goes, I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agog, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgad. Now, here's something interesting. God told them, I want you to completely destroy everything. I don't want you to keep the, the plunder. I, I want you to kill the king. I don't, want you to, uh, I don't want you to keep any of the cattle. I don't want you to keep anything. And listen to how Samuel justifies his actions. This is amazing. He says, but I did obey the Lord because I took the plunder and then I sacrificed it unto the Lord to make it look like he did something right. Well, I I did give it to the Lord. Isn't that good enough? And and then God goes back, but you didn't obey me. And so he says, listen, let's go down a little further in verse 22. But Samuel replies to him, you're missing it, Saul. You missed the whole thing. You didn't obey the Lord. What you did, you obeyed what you thought was right. You did what was right in your own eyes. You took the plunder. You didn't kill the king. You didn't really listen to the Lord. And then, then you justified it. By saying, well, we offered it up to the Lord. Listen to what he says. This is so important. Samuel says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? He doesn't care about your sacrifices. He says to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, here's some problems and here's how we're going we're to tie all this stuff in together. There's a problem with Saul. There's a problem with the people. And God has the answer. You would think with Saul, Pastor Barden, what's the big deal? Um, Saul did defeat this enemy. Um, he did go into war. So what's the big deal? He kept he kept some of the cattle. What, what's the big deal? What's the big deal that he didn't didn't really kill the king? What's really what's really the big deal here? See, I want you to understand something here. The sacrifice wasn't. For God. The sacrifice, God could care less about the sacrifice. It wasn't for God. The sacrifice is for us so that we can approach God. And what God is saying listen, you're going rogue, Saul. You're doing things on your own. You're not really listening to me. You're doing what you think is right in your own eyes. The sacrifice isn't for me, it's for us that we might approach God. See, the sacrifice is meaningless unless we obey God. So, so let, me, let me bring this, this home. Saul thought that, that he kept the plunder and to give it to God and, and, then, and, then, and then said, well, I'm going to dedicate this to God, and that was just an excuse. You see, what God really wanted from Saul was his heart. And because, and because Saul kept the plunder, it revealed his true heart. That he really wasn't sold out to God. His heart was divided between his own interests. And God's interests. And how many know that's not going to work? Walking the fence never works with our relationship with God. God says, "I I want it all or I don't want any of it. Because a divided heart is going to lead you down a, a very disastrous road. It would be like this. It would be like saying, well, God, um, I kind of I cheated on my taxes, or I, I made some shortcuts on my taxes, so I got a little more money back. But with that money, I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm going to tithe off that. I mean, that, that's kind of the sense that Saul, I, I know it's not right, but I'm going to still dedicate to you to hopefully make this right. That was Saul's problem. Here's the problem with the people. The problem with the people is they put their hope in a king, not in God. And it's easy for us uh, to to, to do this. We put our hope in a person, they let us down. Maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe your job, maybe the government. We put our hopes and aspirations in this person or organization only to let us down. God says, I want you to put your hopes and aspirations in me. I'll I'll take care of you. Because ultimately this person is going to let you down. The government's ultimately going to let you down. But I'm not going to let you down. You've got to serve me. And so what God was doing, he was setting the precedence with, with the people and with Saul saying, this is not the leader I want. I don't care how tall he is, how handsome he is, what a, how, what a great military leader. Because what you're going to see in between Saul and David, when you juxtapose those two lives together, they couldn't be more opposite. You see Saul, who's tall, good-looking, a great military leader. And then God, we're going to talk about next week, is going to use King David, who's out in the pastures as a shepherd and who comes and eventually will destroy Goliath. this, This scrawny kid is going to come against this huge military person for the Philistines and he's going to defeat them through the power of the Lord and saying. God's going to say, that's who I want. That's how you win the battle. It's not through Saul's type of of kingship. That's not going to work. And so God had to reveal to them, this is not how it's going to work. I want a man that's after my own heart. That's why when you read through the majority of the Psalms, they are Psalms of David. Who David, either alone by himself or being chased by Saul, cried out to the Lord. You could see his heart. Was David perfect? No. Did David make a lot of mistakes? We're going to see he made a lot of mistakes. But the thing I love about God is through God's grace and his mercy, he restored David. Did David live with the consequences of his life? You better believe it. But God did restore him because, because what the Bible says in the New Testament is what's said about David is that he was a man after God's own heart. Here's what I want you to see today. Is that ultimately we have a perfect king. Ultimately we have a king. Who any of these other kings don't even match up to. Ultimately we have a king in Jesus who came to fulfill what these kings couldn't fulfill. Jesus came to completely obey and fulfill what the father wanted I love what John 15, 10 says. It says, if you obey my commands, Jesus speaking, and you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remained in him and his love. I love that. See, three times we see in the New Testament, the word king of kings referred to Jesus, that he's the perfect king. And the reason why he's the perfect king is because Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to obey Jesus came to fulfill the Father's heart for the mission that he had for him on earth. And I think one of the best descriptions that we have of Jesus as king and his rulers is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let me read to you what a, a king we have in King Jesus. It says this, Paul speaking, says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being, made in the, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted him. That's why God lifted him up and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. And so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, in heaven and earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. Jesus is that humble king. Jesus is that obedient king because he came to glorify his father. And here's the thing I want to tell you today. You can trust Jesus Christ to rule over your life. You can trust him as king. You see, the issue in our life is not the problem of whether or not we believe that Jesus is real. For many followers of Jesus, that's not really the problem. You know, we believe, okay, we believe that he rose from the dead, and we believe all those things. The problem for a follower of Jesus Christ is authority. Who are we going to make king over our life? Who are we going to give authority over our life? Are we going to submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ? Or are we going to be like Saul, where our hearts are divided? Where, well, I'll obey, and there's that I feel like obeying. And then when I feel like I need to make my own choice, Lord, I'm going to do that. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't have a choice on whether or not we should forgive someone. Amen? We don't have a choice. Because Jesus Christ said, if you're unwilling to forgive someone else, how can I forgive you of your sins and how? far. You've fallen away from me. So we don't have a choice in those things. And as hard as they are, and as hard as some choices are, that's when the rubber meets the road as a follower of Jesus Christ, where we really say, you know, Jesus, am I really obeying you? Am I really trusting you with my life? Are you really king over my life? Am I, am I going to submit to you in this situation? Am I really going to listen to you to give you my heart in my life, and maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe there's a, a little battle, that's going on in your heart, in your life, about giving God, complete authority, over your life. And maybe, maybe part of you, there's that, controlling part of your life, where some of you are control freaks, where you want everything to work out, and when things don't work out your way, it's it, you get really frustrated. How many of you are like me, where? When your day doesn't go the way you want it to go, it's frustrating. And God's saying, I'm just trying to break your heart a little bit to trust me. Maybe I've got something different for you. Maybe that flat tire is there for a reason. Meanwhile, we're, you know, we're frustrated and it's going to get me late for this day and I got so much things to do. Blah, blah, blah. I, I got to get it done. I got to get it done. And meanwhile, God is saying, listen, turn it over to me. Turn it over to me. Are you going to trust me? Because I can even use this situation for my glory if you let me do it, if you obey me, if you listen to me. You see, God works his best in humility. God works his best when we submit our lives to him and become his servants. That's where your life will be most blessed and where you will find the most joy. Let's let's not just be Sunday morning Christians. God forbid we're just Sunday morning Christians. Let's allow God to take our lives and say, God, whatever you have for me on Monday through Saturday, God, let me submit my life to you and allow you to be that King of kings and Lord of lords over my life. So I want to pray for you this morning. And then what we're going to do is we're going to close and we're going to crown Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. And maybe there's something in your life that you're, you haven't completely turned over to God. Maybe it's your own heart. Maybe you're not completely found the Lord. Maybe you're just Christian in name only, but you really haven't surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's an area of life. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's an area of your life where you're like, man, I've just got so much control of this, and and I'm frustrated, and I haven't turned this thing over to Jesus Christ and truly given him authority. Allow God to take those things over in your life and begin to listen to his word. It's amazing. When you begin to read God's word, And you begin to pray, and you begin to humble yourself before the Lord and realize you're not as in control as you think you are. First of all, that's a humbling thing, but God works the best through that. And so let's allow God to humble our hearts and just allow him to to use us and just, just crown Jesus Lord over our lives. And when you submit to his lordship, you're going to find a peace that you've been looking for. Because you're not going to be fighting against yourself any longer. You're going to be submitting to the Lord. That's why Jesus had so much joy. That's why Jesus could face the cross with joy. Because he knew ultimately he was obeying his father. When Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. I know I'm going to have to face suffering, but not my will, Lord. I've come to obey you and listen to you. So, Lord, I pray for every heart here this morning. Lord, I don't know what the lordship issue is in there in their in in their hearts. Lord, I don't know what they're struggling with today. But Lord, I pray today, whatever the, whatever the issue is, whatever the struggle is, that Lord, we would lay that at your feet. That we would allow you to be Lord over our lives. Maybe it's a circumstance that we're struggling with. Maybe it's a, a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Whatever it is, and we've been struggling, we've been trying to control it. And Lord, I just pray that we would submit that to you and we would allow you to be Lord over it, to be king over it. And listen, to you humble our hearts, God. And Lord, I pray as we sing this song to you today, that we would take whatever that thing is and we would lay it at your feet. As we sing how you are the king of kings, how you are Lord of all, we want to crown you that in our, in our lives. So let's, may we make it personal today, Jesus, that we crown you Lord over our lives today. So we thank you for being that perfect king Jesus. Thank you for being a humble king that was completely obedient to God the Father. That everything you did, God, you did for our benefit so that we might be redeemed, that we might be forgiven. We thank you Jesus for being obedient, for being that humble servant that we can follow in our lives. Help us to do that this morning as we make you king of kings. And Lord of Lords over our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand this morning and let's sing the song of the Lord. Let's make it personal. God bless you.